Welcome to Five Stripe Weekly. Atlanta United dropped three points this past weekend in Philadelphia, but can the Five Stripes still finish the season strong? We discuss all that and more coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Stripe fam. I'm AJ. This is Tanner McLeod. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. Not the result that we wanted, but in this first segment, we'll actually talk about how this frustrating loss might actually be a good thing for the Five Stripes going forward. And yes, it was 3-1 at the end of the day, but uh, yeah, going in, we knew that we had to win and Orlando basically had to lose against San Jose. So do what they usually do. Right. And so it seemingly uh, for us, you know, getting into the playoffs, this might have been uh, a, you know, good, good day to actually do that. But uh, when you're going against another team that, you know, was pretty much tied for you at, in first, it... Uh, maybe was going to be a tall order, especially with our away form, but uh, and especially with your eighth match in uh, the month. I mean, it's just uh, it's a it's a lot to ask of the team. Uh, so you know, at the end of the day, you have seven wins uh, in this month. I mean, it's two cup a, two cup wins, two cup wins. Yeah, yeah. You, you lift two trophies, you win seven games, it's you really play good football, and you lose the last one going out. Yeah. yeah, it's frustrating, obviously, uh -huh. but I think for a lot of Atlanta United fans, when the final whistle went on Saturday, it wasn't the frustrated exasperation that we've expressed and felt, you know, mm -hmm. earlier this season. It was kind of one of those, eh, whatever. Like, yeah. like, is it? Because I think watching the game, you realize the scoreline kind of deceived a little bit. We've yeah. had that in our favor before, mm -hmm. but. When you looked at the game, I think Atlanta United was just as good, if not better, than Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Atlanta United was not playing at full strength, and Atlanta United was playing on an empty gas tank, and Philadelphia clearly had a lot more in the tank than Atlanta United right. did. This so, was almost a cup final for them. Yeah. They were very much up for this match. I mean, pretty much, you know, in terms of going into the match for them, they're thinking, okay, we're going against the reigning MLS champs. Uh, we're uh, going against the team that uh, if we beat them, you know, we can vault into first. Uh, there's a lot on the line for them. They haven't, you know, won a trophy yet uh, in that respect. It's kind of uh, something that, um, you know, they really are up for. And for us, you know, after running on fumes now, uh, pretty much. Uh, since it feels like July, really, because yeah. they've been playing pretty much twice a week since they got back. Exactly. Yeah, from even that Seattle game, you know, you had Seattle, then Houston midweek, and then you have a trip all the way out to LAFC. It's just been a really long time since that last international mm -hmm. break, and it's come along at, I think, a good time, and we'll, mm -hmm. we'll get into everyone who's gone and who's staying later on in the show, but I mean, I think that, that what I took out of this game was Watching Atlanta United play it created loads of chances. Mm -hmm. Joseph Martinez scores an incredible goal, again. And he, on another night, possibly could have had a hat trick or four goal. I mean, he had chances yeah. that fell his way that on another night, maybe he takes those. But up until the very end, which is when the game kind of got away from Atlanta United, they played better stuff. They controlled more of the ball. They kept playing the positive football that we've seen them playing since they switched that formation against mm -hmm. Houston. And my personal opinion, what I got out of that match was, if Atlanta United is healthy and rested, I don't care whether it's at home or whether it's away, they were a better mm -hmm. team than Philadelphia, and I think we can beat them. Even if it's in the playoffs, yeah. I prefer for that match to be here, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I walk out of that match feeling that even though Atlanta United lost three goals to one, mm -hmm. they're a better team than Philadelphia, and when they're fully fit, I think that Atlanta can beat them. Yeah, I think in this uh, formation that we switched to and the kind of ethos uh, that we uh, exude, pretty much playing on the front foot, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, in this type of match, you could definitely see that throughout until we kind of hit that 
uh, kind of speed bump that we we you know preferably hit. And um, yeah, I mean in terms of uh, the chances, I mean you know you have the Joseph uh, header that uh, arguably probably you know on a uh, regular day he puts in. Uh, you have the uh, chance on his left foot that, uh, I mean, did he milk it afterwards in terms of uh, the injury just because he kind of pretty shanked it, uh, shanked it pretty badly. Um, it, it happens. I mean, you know, the, the striker, you know, it's sometimes you just kind of have to go, um, you know, when you do miss, you, you kind of have to like, how did I miss that badly? I must be injured. To quote the great Gattuso, sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. Yeah. And Joseph was both in this game, but the yeah. good, which we have oh to God. highlight, was really, really good. Yeah. Something about Atlanta United scoring team Playing goals in Philly, yeah. in Philly yeah. produces some of the most magical stuff. You can think last year to that team, that excellent team goal that I believe Tito tucked Tito away. Finished, yep. uh -huh. And then this one, just the one touch to Nagby, the turn, the touch from, the one touch from Nagby back over, then he goes around the keeper and then finishes. It was just, what can't this guy do? And yeah. yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, yes, I had a loss, but he scored another incredible goal, and his streak is now getting into all-time historic levels yeah. of goal scoring. Yeah, He's 13 straight MLS uh, games that he scored, and of course, he didn't score, uh, you know, in that uh, other match uh, in the tournament. Yeah. Whatever. But um, he had a couple rolled off for offside. It's fine. We won the cup. That's what matters. Yeah. But in terms of uh, yeah, for Jose Martinez, I mean, I think just uh, the the most impressive thing is to uh, you know the touch around the keeper. That uh, after doing all that, not getting like so excited, like oh you know like this is he's just ice cold in front of goal. Cool like he's always collected. always like this uh, you know and so. Um, yeah, and it's uh, it's one of those things where yeah we again uh, we just reiterated that uh, there were some other chances that we probably should have put away, uh, and on another night this would have been a wholly entirely different result. Uh, it could have been a if we were up to one or two nil, it would be a completely different story. Uh, yeah, and then plus you have uh, some kind of you know in terms of uh, their um, you know Philly's goals. Their second goal is incredible. Yeah. I don't think that guy could ever hit the ball that good at that angle because Guzan slightly shielded it, comes in yeah. near post. Like it's mm -hmm. it's a fantastic finish from an angle that I wouldn't expect someone in MLS to consistently finish. Mm -hmm. So good finish for that. The third goal, obviously, you're chasing the game and the legs are there, they're gone, it's open, it happens. But you know, I, I think what what's interesting is that you played this game without one of your best players again in Ezekiel Barco, and you mm -hmm. have seen it, the, the results are just there. When he plays and you have your front three of yeah. Joseph and Barco, the mm -hmm. team's firing different. There's more space to, to execute. You had, I think that's the difference. It's like, you know, Barco uh, being replaced by Heinemann, rather, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Pereira, you know, in place of Miram. Yeah, they're not maybe as match fit to really go with a full 90, even though they're there. And then you also but. have to think that the guy that you usually bring in to shut a game down, who would have come on in the 80th or so minute, and Jeff Lorenowitz is playing mm -hmm. at center back. That, you know. yeah. So you, you would expect to, to bring him on, and yeah. maybe those goals won't happen if you have him coming on yeah. fresh and sitting in the middle and shielding the defense. Yeah. But It's know, also, sorry to cut you off again, uh, it's that little bit of uh, solidity that you kind of lack again, because yeah. uh, the back line is a little bit makeshift shift, uh, you know, a Pogba that had been playing uh, with a little bit of regularity, yeah, there's a, that difference of the familiarity that you need, uh, especially in a kind of game that, uh, yeah, I mean, very back and forth, felt like a cup final in a sense. Uh, so, you know, both teams definitely 
uh, you know, we're going punch for punch and trying to, uh, yeah. you know, win it. So, absolutely. I, mean, I don't want to dig too far into the stats because I'm not a biggest believer of them either, but the XG had Philly at 2.07 and Atlanta added at 2.04. So it's just like, that's pretty damn even. Sometimes the ball goes your way, sometimes it doesn't. Right. It didn't go Atlanta out of his way this, this, this past game, but hey, I mean, again, I, I think like you, me, and almost everyone else walked mm -hmm. away going, it's not the worst thing in the world. They kind of erase that benefit of Atlanta having a, that game in hand and that yep. we could have stretched a gap on them. But now Atlanta United can still continue to be in front, can still pass them in the table mm -hmm. if we win that game in hand and continue to win games. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the big, there's three teams racing for first place. Yeah. It's us, it's NYC. them, and it's NYCFC. Yeah. And we'll get into all that in the standings later on. Yeah, definitely. But uh, in terms of any of some, some of the negatives, which we kind of already talked about, um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, the exhaustion, the, the fixture congestion, all that, but Brad Guzan sustaining kind of a, uh, you oh, know, yeah. just a kind of... Kick uh, to the face? Kick to the face, sort of, yeah. It's just basically a whole leg uh, stomp, really. Yeah, it wasn't on nice. the, Everywhere, just this whole area. I mean, uh, it looked like some mad hickeys after the, the match, but I mean, it's just... <laughs> looked like he was in high school. Yeah, um, after like a nice hot date or something. But uh, no, this was a cleat to the face. And so, yeah, not... Definitely was not fun. as enjoyable. Yeah, so uh, hopefully he's all right. He seem seemingly is okay uh, with the U.S. Men's National Team, but uh, you never like to see anybody get stomped on, and that's just like, oh, he was down for a minute. Yeah, I mean, he's just a warrior. Jesus. To be able to get up like that, you know, from that, yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, getting into the post-match quotes, uh, Frank de Boer, he actually was very positive about uh, you know the effort from the boys in terms of uh, he you know pretty much outlined like yeah. There's so much fixture congestion. It's really hard to deal with. Uh, so he's actually proud of them for uh, the efforts nonetheless. Um, but uh, yeah, in terms of uh, one of his quotes, I mean, you know, uh, you know, on still having a chance to finish in first place, he says, I think uh, NYCFC is an important decision. We have to wait. They have the best possibility to be on top. We have one game less affiliate. We can still be on top if we win that game. I have confidence that we will do after our two-week break. I like the confidence. That's uh, very positive from uh, Frank DeBoer in that respect of, uh, yeah, still rallying the troops in that respect. Uh, you know, Brad Guzan pretty much talked about the on his team having tired legs. He said, I think it's clear to see that the guys were carrying some heavy legs, but again, you know it's not an excuse. We stand up to it. We own it. Philadelphia Union are a good team. Don't take anything away from them. They've got good players. This was always going to be a tough game, regardless of our schedule leading to it. We now need to make sure we recover and rest up mentally and physically. Uh, the final push of the last few games, uh, the last few regular season games, we come with good results. Um, yeah, pretty straightforward there. I think that, uh, you know, in terms of no excuses made, th that's kind of what you want to see from the team. Just, you know, uh, it, it is one of those things. We all know how many games that they played, uh, you know, and really without a whole lot of breaks, without, I mean, this reminded me, I think, of 2017 in September, essentially, when we played so many games at the Benz. Uh, and we played really, really well, but then at the end of it, you kind of, you know, everybody sputters, I think, uh, when you have to, you know, pick yourself up after, you know, two, three day break every single time. It's just really, really tough on players. So, you know, uh, it is what it is, but 
Uh, hopefully we don't have that swoon in September like we did in 2017. That's where hopefully that experience can pay off and uh, you know maybe it's more uh, you know less practice, more time in uh, the you know the trainer's room and all that. And hopefully that can uh, just you know kind of alleviate kind of that fatigue problem. But uh, I, I don't think it comes all the way down to fatigue though. It is a certain point where. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of rearing its ugly head again, maybe the finishing chances. Like, we need other people in the team to finish their chances, mm -hmm. not just Joseph Martinez. That's fair, but also the abundance of the chances did fall to your guy. And if you have a, a talisman like him. Joseph Martinez and you're giving him those chances, you do expect him to score. But again, I'm not going to begrudge him or this team. For me, this is I, I, I'm not going to put it all in fatigue, but I think you could clearly see it there at the end. They finally did run out of gas. And there were some people who, who weren't as happy and suggested, you know, should a Parkers have played? What more could have DeBoer done to, well, to Parkers ro was rotate? At home. And it's like Parkhurst wasn't here. Mm -hmm. Some people were asking for Mo Adams, and it's like when you're chasing a game, he's not the player you bring on because he's not going to help you really going forward. He's a player you bring on if you're going to really try to lock something down. So the, the options, unfortunately, really haven't been there because in other matches, people suggest maybe you play Parkhurst to spell some of those guys. But as we've seen against Houston as well at the beginning of that game, when played as a left-sided center back, he's exposed for pace. And with the way that Atlanta United play, the fullbacks are or the wingbacks are very, very aggressive, which means that your left and your right-sided center backs have to be able to deal in one-on-one -on -one situations. Mm -hmm. That's not something that the captain can do anymore. That's not what he's best suited to do. And it does him a disservice to put him in a situation like that. And it does the team a disservice to try to play him there. So unfortunately, with some of the injuries that Atlanta United had, there wasn't really the options for Frank DeBoer to rotate. There's no backup for Julian Gressel, especially as Franco Escobar down you only have Pereira and Miram on the left hand side so you're restricting some of your options because of the rules in place to help you build your roster yes if you expand that out maybe you have a bit more quality depth where you can rotate but as of right now I don't think DeBoer had much choice positives though you still have that game in hand on Philly and there's a lot of season left, not a lot, but there's yeah. still a decent amount of season left to play. Mm -hmm. Pick yourself up, rest, recover, and kick on. Yeah, uh, and you know, to add on that, maybe Tito Vishalva, if uh, he had come on, if he had, uh, well, he did come on, but it was a matter of, in terms of uh, the kind of quality time that he would have had on the pitch, I mean, he hasn't had that. He pretty much isn't match fit. No, and he, he still has questions about his knee because yeah. it was a knee, a knee concern. And right. yes, he is fit, but the if, sharpness just if isn't the there. sharpness isn't there, and if the player doesn't trust the the knee to, to really play the way that we know Tito can play, yeah, balls out. Then or, then he's not going to be able to give you everything, and, and mm -hmm. you're not going to see him have as much of an impact. So you know, the two weeks here now can also be a benefit to him as well to continue hopefully getting that knee healthy because knee injuries can be very finicky. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So uh, and. You know, so uh, to wrap up a bow on this match, I mean, it, it is a frustrating result, but at the end of the day, there were flashes of uh, the positive signs that we've seen all month. Uh, it's just a matter of, I think, uh, you know, being able to uh, have the legs at the end of the match uh, is very vital for sure. You have to be able to see out a match the right way, and uh, I think it was just being hindered, uh, you know, pretty pretty clearly there. But uh, getting into the news, uh, our standings, uh, we unfortunately have dropped to third. Yes, we are sitting in third place right now on 48 points. NYCFC are on 50 with a game in hand on Atlanta United. And Phil, of course, are in first with 51, but NYCFC have two games in hand on them. What's interesting is the remaining fixtures that each of these teams has. Because Atlanta United, with six games remaining, 
probably has, I'd say, the best run-in out of all the teams. You have three games at home, three games on the road. You have Columbus at home, you have San Jose at home, and you have a New England team on decision day. You also have to go on the road to NYCFC, on the road to FC Cincinnati, and on the road to Montreal. In my opinion, I think of those six games, you expect to win five of them. Mm. Every single one, except NYCFC, which is the big one, because you should beat Cincinnati on the road because they're awful. Montreal is in a complete state of chaos right now, and you expect to win every single time you walk out at the bins. So your game, your season really comes down to, can you beat NYCFC on the road? Because if you can, what's interesting is what happens the last day of the season, and that is Philadelphia Union are hosting NYCFC. Philly also have a tough run-in. Yeah. yeah They've got to play LAFC still. Uh-huh. Will Vela be there? Who knows? They also have Red Bulls. They also have to go all the way out to San Jose to play the Earthquakes. So there's still a good chance that Atlanta United, if they can win out, win all six of those games, which is doable, then they can still finish in first place. So even though they're not in first right now, it's not all doom and gloom. The other teams still have a lot to play. And NYCFC is going to have to play a lot of midweek games in the coming weeks. And we know how that can take a lot out of a team. So it'll be a very interesting run-in. We'll have a few teams to keep an eye on, but it's a three-horse race. But Lanny United can still come out on top. Yeah, and I I think it's really, really interesting that that final game is between NYCFC and Philadelphia Union. It could be going for a draw, 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 Exactly. Draw. <laughs> and it'd be, I mean, it's just like, it's funny how, uh, in terms of MLS uh, schedule gods, that uh, is an inadvertent uh, stroke of genius, maybe. But uh, that'd have been like us playing Red Bull last year for, yeah. for on the final game of the season. Except exactly. I think both of these teams really want to finish first place because they don't want to come here. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot on the line there. So we'll see yeah. what happens. It'll be a very interesting remaining month of the regular season. And getting into the magic number for us to get into the playoffs, Atlanta United. Yeah, uh, our magic number is two. Two and points from six matches. We can do this. Yes, yeah, I'm pretty sure we can. Uh, but. Uh, and that's according to uh, MLS Magic Number on Twitter. So yeah, we should be fine for the playoffs. It's just a matter of where we're gonna finish, and we just uh, mentioned that above. But uh, yeah, getting on to Joseph Martinez being nominated for the MLS Goal of the Week again. You just have to do do what you gotta do. What yeah. we always do. We know what's gonna happen here. I know it's not like a long range Galasso or anything like but that. It but it was just a. That's it's the link up play. It's the ice coldness in front of goal. It's just it was beautiful soccer. Let's yeah. be honest. It was just beautiful to watch. Yeah, exactly. These are my favorite type of goals. Yes, those team goals where it's just pass, 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 pass. Yeah, one goal. touch and this. Oh, yes, yeah. lovely, lovely. But uh, so Ezekiel Barco will not join the Argentina U23s uh, due to uh, the muscle injury that he sustained before uh, in the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, that is unfortunate for Barco, but you know, uh, I think you know we kind of saw the writing on the wall when he didn't travel to Philly. It is what it is. Uh, and LA United forward Brandon Vasquez has joined the U.S. Men's National Team U23s. Uh, their camp in Chula Vista. Uh, congrats to Vasquez. It's good to see him back into the conversation again because he had been kind of part of it uh, in terms of the the youth setup for the uh, U.S. men's national team. But, uh, yeah, I think it's, you know, with his form when he was playing, I think he deserves that call-up for sure. It's just a matter of, uh, yeah, hopefully he can break into the, uh, you know, the, the first team. We'll see. Kind of a similar situation with Miles Robinson with the men's national team. Mm -hmm. Got some pictures of him up now that you did. Him and wearing a U.S. men's national team. Love to see so that. Looks pretty good on him. I'd say yeah. it fits him pretty well. I think so. Yeah, I think but it fits uh, him pretty good. Just come it, back fit, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's just because uh, he, I think, in terms of our spine, very important. Yeah. Very, very, very important. important. So how about you just practice and not play? 
Yeah. I'm fine but, with that. <laughs> uh, and there's probably a good chance of that because it's kind of what it what it's gonna be. I think with uh, you know first choice center backs are probably going to be uh, yeah, that's not him, unfortunately. But uh, and also today was also WrestleMania's uh, golf classic. Uh, or Julian Gressel's Dressel Media Golf Classic, rather. And uh, yeah, you saw the likes of LGP, Kratz, uh, Parky, Larry, all there, uh, just hanging out, playing Gressel. Uh, I mean, uh, in his story, in his IG story, it was like the thwack of the, uh, you know, the, um, what do you call it? The golf club. Golf club. Yes, thank you. <laughs> was not coming to me at all. But uh, man, that sound is kind of like, yeah, I mean, legit. He can He's good really at golf. play. He's good at golf. And I hear he barely, if even, has a handicap. No, I think he, he's a scratch golfer. Yeah, that's outrageous. I am terrible at golf. Yeah, he is, Less said about that, yeah, the better. He, you know, put away a, uh, you know, a putt really, really easily. I mean, it's just like, dude is good. He's good at a lot of sports, apparently. So uh, it's just not fair. I mean, Jesus, you know, some people uh, just have all the uh, the athletic talent. It's like in they the just world. pick up something. I had a friend of mine just picked up a golf club and he's out here like shooting 80s immediately. And I'm just like, I hate you. Or yeah. picks up a baseball bat and just all of a sudden, ting. I'm just like, Great. I can yeah. barely shoot like a free throw in basketball. Like, wow, really? Free throws are not my. You're right. I'm not a good free throw. Six shooter. four. I know, I was good at other, I could dunk a basketball. Yeah, sure. Shaq was, Shaq was seven feet and he couldn't shoot free throws. I'm not a good free throw shooter. I'm not a good free throw. It's a, it's a mental thing. I was decent (laughs) and now I'm trash. Like everyone who's ever played basketball with me past like the 10th grade knows I'm trash at free throws. I could dunk (laughs) Were you one of those guys that were like pretty tall and so you just use your height to uh, kind of Yeah, I was good defense and rebound and again, I was a white guy who could dunk. So I looked good in warm-ups and then I rode pine next to the coach all game. So, you know, it is what it is. This makes a lot of sense now actually, like in terms of just the whole tanner actually makes Look, a lot of sense. Look, white guys but. can dunk. I'm an example of that. All right. Anyway, but uh, so uh, moving on from that, a man was seen in an Atlanta United jacket at the Liverpool Burnley game this weekend, uh, and that was a hat tip to Reddit user Efen1. Uh, but uh, Academy, uh, he is an Academy physio, according to Patrick Aquanquo. Uh, in the DMs, and so yeah, you know, of course, the academy is there playing their games right now. Uh, yeah, they were visiting. Yeah, I mean, Anfield. It looked beautiful, and yeah, it's great to see. Uh, you know, still either way that you know the Atlanta United badge is seen in kind of the uh, the world stage, and uh, yeah, it's great. The only to thing see that it. was bad to see that day was the fact that Liverpool won three nil on our way. So, <laughs> Fun fact: Yamil Assad is not coming back to Atlanta United, like everyone's been saying yep. for a long time. Sorry to crush those dreams, but it seems that he has signed a pre-contract with DC United. He will be eligible to play for their USL side, Luton United, for the rest of the season before joining the first team next season. So it looks like Yamil Assad is back with MLS, but unfortunately he will not be playing for Atlanta United again. It's kind of weird that it's like a pre-contract and he can't play this season, but I guess it's outside the transfer window now. But and he's probably going to cost too much, and yeah. it's one of those... Either way, it's slots. good to see him with the team because he deserves oh. it, but still, USL, I don't know if Atlanta had to play Luton at the No, we don't. Uh, no, we won't. So, But that's... <laughs> I think it kind of wraps up one of the most bizarre situations for Yumil yes. uh, Saad. I mean, it's just like he pretty much didn't play this year. He hasn't played, hasn't played. Just 2019 games. didn't play. Yeah, and it's just like, dude is clearly good enough. 
Like, I would be, I mean, in one sense, maybe like furious if I were him to just, I want to get some he time. He just hated wanna... it, this Velez back in, yeah. in Argentina. And, like the, that yeah. situation is just so poor and has deteriorated so bad that, I mean, he just had to leave and sat for the entire year. I mean, that's- As insane. a professional athlete, that had to drive him insane. Yeah. And, uh, By the way, looks like he's going to have a team. So good for you, Milosa, because we know he's loved here. Yeah. So I'm glad to see him back in the game in some way. Indeed. indeed. But uh, yeah, moving on to Atlanta United 2. Congrats to uh, Bienvenue Kanekumana, uh to getting into the Burundi's national team. And also George Campbell for getting into the United States U-20 national team as well. Uh, yeah, they also played Memphis 901 this past weekend. Unfortunately, lost, I believe, 2-1. Uh, Lagos Kunga uh, played for Memphis. They, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think Kunga getting meaningful minutes is fantastic. Uh, but, yeah, LNI 2, I think, yeah, they ended their undefeated streak, I believe, uh, their recent undefeated streak. And, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things. They were on a good one, a good run, but it's just, uh, you know. It is what it is. So yeah, LA United 2, you know, we've, what uh, we've talked about this at length. But, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so moving on from the news, let's get into buy or sell. And simply, we name a topic and we say if we buy or sell it. And so first topic is Ezekiel Barco and not being in the Argentina U23s is actually a bad thing. Sell. So, I'm glad he's not with Argentina U23s because he proved how good he was at the World Cup earlier this summer where we lost him for a while. He's currently injured. He's shown what he can do, especially since he's been back with Atlanta United. I'd like to see him get fit because he'll be judged on how he finishes this, the rest of this regular season and then seeing if he can get called up in the international break after the end of the season in November. I think that's important as well. This right now, I think he can show his stuff and he's shown his wares. And if he continues to play the way that he's playing right now, he'll still earn himself a move in January. So I don't think this is critical for him and I'm glad he's staying here so he can get fit and hopefully kick on for the rest yeah. of the season. Uh, I actually buy that it's a bad thing for his match fitness at least because yeah, I mean, he hasn't really been getting a ton, a ton of uh, minutes. I mean, he really just kind of came on in the middle of the month. So he needs that kind of game time to really get sharp for the uh, the matches to end the season. And so for me, him not getting kind of that time that he maybe kind of missed through the injury and through, uh, you know, being away at uh, with Argentina, uh, the, the U20s, yeah. I mean, I think he needs that that sharpness to be able to kick on in the in the playoffs uh, when we get there to uh, you know do what we know he can do in the regular season. So um, you know, I, I want him to rediscover that kind of form early on in the season, and you, you, I think you need to do that with game time. But uh, next question uh, for Pyrcell: Miles Robinson will get over 20 U.S. Men's National Team caps in his career. Bye. Yeah, bye. I think he'll do that. The way that he's, the way that he has improved this season has been remarkable. I don't think any of us, if you go back and check the footage, thought he would end up becoming this, and we we're pretty questionable and skeptical after that first match in Herediano. But he consistently continues to improve every single match. He still has some things that he needs to work on. He still has a bit to grow in his game, and I think that sometimes when he's challenged, and you haven't seen a lot of phys of guys physically challenge him, I think it would have been really interesting. I'm glad Zlatan didn't play, but had he matched up against Zlatan in that Galaxy match, that could have been.
been very interesting, but he's improved a lot. I still worry that maybe a really big physical presence can maybe throw him off of his game a little bit, but his foot skills has gotten, have gotten better. His positioning has gotten better. Now he's showing the ability to take guys on and dribble past them. So he's gonna continue to improve athletically. He's like everything you could want in a center back. So we'll see what happens, but if he keeps improving at this rate, not only will he not be playing for Atlanta United, but he will always be playing for the US Men's National Team because I'd struggle to find a better center back. Yeah, uh, I also buy that, yeah, he'll get over 20 US Men's National Team caps, but uh, many more than that, I'm not sure because, yeah, there are kind of more first choice center backs uh, at the moment. Yeah, but center backs also, they can age a little bit more gracefully in that sense. So maybe he does have that kind of longer career ahead of him. Though, yes, he did kind of, yeah, he is, I believe, 24, I believe. So, yeah, it is. The men's national there. team's crap. So as far as I'm concerned, if he keeps playing better and earns himself a move to Europe, I would struggle to find someone yeah. who's playing in MLS or who's older who would deserve a place above him. But so. it's also, yeah, I mean, one-on-one, -on -one, I mean, who is going to beat Miles Robinson? It's right just... now, no one. No one in MLS, at least, anyway. But uh, anyway, that does it for Buy or Sell and gets us to the mailbag. You guys send in these questions through IG Story. Please continue to do so, and we might answer your question in the future. First question comes from Lala Larson, or La Larson. Uh, why is Frank forcing PT onto the team? He is not adapting well. Tata didn't force Barco. I'm not really sure if you're watching um, the look, last games. That have you watched... <laughs> Atlanta had to play since we switched to the 3-5-2 because Pity has been incredible and funny enough, I think he's a performer of the month for Atlanta United for the month of August. Yeah, at so, least Atlanta United uh, kind of announced that. Yes, anyway, so. so obviously Joseph has all the goals, but Pity has been playing incredibly well. He's shown up in the big moments. He was fantastic against Club America. Thought he was very good in the US Open Cup final. Obviously he scored the winner, had a great goal. He's been really involved and freed up in this role because he doesn't have to defend and he's allowed to now find the spaces that he likes to operate in and then get on the ball in areas where he can affect the team. It's pretty much a free role. A free it's role, cool. which is fantastic. Yeah. And, and DeVore's managed to figure out how it works within a system. And what he's done that Tata also did was switch to the 3-5-2 because he realized a system that both his team is comfortable in, but also allows him to play his three best players in the most effective way. Mm -hmm. Pity has shown that he is at his best when he's playing with both Joseph and Barco, because the three of them, when they run forward, are about as dangerous as a front three as anyone in MLS, mm -hmm. if not the most dangerous. So he's really improved. I think at the beginning of the season, yes, he was struggled. We talked about it a lot on the show, mm -hmm. but as of now, he's playing well, and I think that he can play even better, and I wouldn't be shocked if we see that improvement towards the end of the season. Yeah, and I mean, he's absolutely been unplayable this month, I feel like. I mean, you know, he's, uh, you know, I think there's a reason why he's the one of the first names on the team sheet at the moment. I mean, he it really is controlling the game for us, uh, and yes. He's getting physical, too. He's and getting yeah, nasty. Exactly. He's throwing Both himself into people. Yeah, exactly. He... Uh, and it's because of, yeah, he's more comfortable in this type of system where he does have to press and uh, he knows that's, you know, that's the type of game that he uh, can play and is willing to play. And so, yeah, um, I don't think, uh, I don't think this was a take at all, unfortunately. Uh, next question comes from Sheaves77. Do you think FDB should have picked a different lineup against Philadelphia? I mean, the only thing that I would question would be Lorenowitz at the left center back, but I'm imagining, or right center back, I'm imagining that was because 
Pogba was probably knackered after that US Open Cup game because it was a physically exhausting game. You didn't really have any other options there. Franco Escobar is not fully match fit yet. That's the only one, but I didn't think that Jeff necessarily played as badly as we've seen him play in that position. I just think that it kind of left you a bit short in midfield. Obviously not having Barco hurt you as well, but I, I struggle to see how else you could have lined up going forward than how he did. So honestly, I don't think really he could have done anything different aside from maybe starting Miram over Pereira. But again, Miram played in the US Open Cup. So you want to run that guy to the ground. Yeah, and, just... and he's going on international duty as well around the world. So I, I don't really see how else he could have approached that game. And I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put that on him for picking the wrong lineup. I think yeah. he picked the right lineup and it just wasn't Atlanta at his night. Yeah, I, I think uh, in terms of this lineup uh, for this match, maybe not an issue, but maybe for some of the other matches in terms of a little bit of rotation, like one guy here and there, yeah, it might, might unbalance the team a little bit, and you can't argue with the results, obviously, I mean, so it is tough. I mean, it's one of those, yeah, it's hard to kind of say there's anything, any wrongdoing in the, the 11 at all against Philadelphia, but uh, next question comes from Thomas Jeffels1. Do you think FDB has done a better job at Atlanta so far than Tata did in his first season? So that's a very interesting question, actually, um, that I think that you could look at multiple ways. But crazily enough, I'm, I'm going to say yes. There's different circumstances surrounding them. So Tata in a first season, there's a lot of learning going on. You're learning the league. The players are learning the league. You're learning to function as a team because it's a very unique situation to have an inaugural season. You have a stadium change. There's a lot that goes into that, which affects how that team performed. So in that situation, Frank DeBoer has a team that's already MLS Cup champs. They know how to win. Right now, Frank DeBoer is on pace to have more points than Tata Martino had in his first season, and he's already led the team to two titles. You've won the Campeones Cup. Obviously, you plan that because of what Tata Martino accomplished, but you still won. And the US Open Cup, which is something that Tata Martino didn't really care about. And you can see that in how the team played in those matches and the team that he picked. So I think yes, but at the same time, it's kind of a misleading question, and that's not a bad thing, in that DeBoer has a very different set of circumstances that he's yeah. performing in. So. Yeah. The, the tools uh, that he had to play with are a lot more refined now than what Tata had to uh, deal with. He pretty much had to pick the tools and start sharpening from the very beginning. And it's kind of... He had no toolbox. Well, he had an empty toolbox that he had to put tools in. Frank right. DeVore had a full toolbox and had to figure out how to build something with it. Exactly. And so, yeah, that's pretty much the major difference there. And in terms of, I think what might be better to as a comparison would be Tata's second season versus FTP's uh, first season. Because that's really kind of a, a fair comparison, I feel like, because of uh, one year leading up to another. But... Uh, next question comes from Lil Danny fourteen zero eight. Do you think Tito Bishalba should be given more playing time? So right now the situation with Tito Bishalba, um, I was recently speaking with Felipe Cardenas from the Athletic, and he was talking about how yeah Tito it, it was it wasn't it was a bad knee injury and it wasn't really talked about as much because that's what happens when players are recovering and and he's still not super comfortable with that knee. So that's, that's something that if a player is honest with the team and is, is telling you that, yes, I am one who's very much adamant that I think Tito should play more. But at the same time, if the player isn't confident in something, you're not going to force him into a bad situation. And I think that it's better to take it slowly and to make sure he is healthy and he's not going to do any more damage to that knee than it is to push him in there and try to get him to get something for you. So hopefully, again, with these two more weeks, he can recover and build up that trust and get more fit so that when that push comes at the end of the season, he will be fit and we will see 
see more minutes from Tito Bijalba because he is a weapon that Atlanta United has. Really, not a lot of other MLS teams have the quality that he mm -hmm. has. So yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. He's uh, definitely a starting level player in MLS, and if you are able to bring him off the bench, that is kind of crazy in terms of a weapon and uh, the danger that he can bring, uh, getting him behind or even just uh, you know you lob a ball over the top and he can run onto it like nobody in the league. Uh, it's super uh, useful, I think, and especially uh, to kill off a game. That's how you do it. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's the shame right now is that, yes, he's not able to get the, the match fitness that he requires because, yeah, he's uncomfortable with uh, the knee at the moment. So And also, without being like negative, you're not going to really yeah. change the formation you're playing right now with Pity, Joseph, and Barco when they're all fit. He you need doesn't that start over them yeah. because he, they offer a balance in possession that Tito doesn't offer you. He's much more of a direct player that can run at people and make something happen. Mm -hmm. And I don't know who you'd bench right now. And he's yeah. not going to play wing back for you. So the system also doesn't necessarily fit him either, which is why he's coming on as a sub. Right. Uh, last question comes from ATL Sergio85. What is y'all's favorite? Uh, what is y'all guys' favorite formation? Right now, for Atlanta United, 3-5-2. I'm done. <laughs> I ran it about 4-3-3 in the past. That shit didn't work. This shit works. I'm with 3-5-2 all the way for Atlanta United. Yeah, exactly. In terms of Atlanta United, uh, I think is probably what he's talking about, but maybe he's talking about, like, in general. If we're like, talking just, about like, Manchester United, philosophy. then I think that we should start playing a 4-3-3 in order <laughs> right, to free not, up Pogba. We're not, I'm we're not, we're not, we're not doing that. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, in terms of, yeah, favorite formation, it's really... What fits all the best players in the uh, you know most winning formation? That's really what I'm happy with. And so three five two is clearly it. Uh, you fit Gressel as a right wing back. You have Miram on the left side doing pretty much uh, kind of what Gressel's doing in that sense too. Uh, having you know you know Joseph and PT up top, Barco doing a little bit of that uh, you know dirty work, but also being the ten. It really, you know, and Nagby just doing uh, exactly what he does, controlling and bossing the game. It's really, it's just hard pressed to find a better formation. But if we're speaking we're in generalities, in terms of how we individually like watching yeah. the game played, I do like 4-3-3. I think it's flexible and I'm not gonna get into a tactic session with you, but I like it because you can do a lot with it. And if you look through history, a lot of the most successful sides have played 4-3-3. Yeah. So that's, to give you an answer outside of Atlanta United, that's my favorite formation. Yeah, uh, I actually like, really actually favor the 3-5-2 a lot of ways. Um, or even like a maybe modify like, Three, four, uh, one, two, even in that mm -hmm. sense, where it's just like uh, it's a little flatter, maybe. But um, kind of what Atlanta had to do a little exactly. bit. Exactly, and I think it just depends on how you're going to play, obviously. But you have that solidity, and really for MLS, we the fact that our center backs are as quick as they are, it's and good on the ball as they are, it's good on the ball as they are. That really allows us to be able to play this formation the way we do. And because like, I think hard, it was LGP that said it, is since they switched formations to the 3-5-2, despite having, in theory, more defenders on the pitch, you're actually allowing yourself to have more attacking players. Mm -hmm. It just depends on that, the, like again, the, yeah. the weapons and the players you have determine what system you can play. And right now the system's working for Atlanta United, and really, for whatever formation you want, it's what's gonna get the best out of the players that you have, and right now, that's what we've got going for us. So three, five, two, all the way. And that does it for the mailbag and gets us to our question of the day. And guys, Joseph Martinez has been scoring goals by the bucket load, scoring in 13 straight matches. He's got 18 goals in those matches, 
So our question to you is, how many goals will Joseph Martinez end up with this season? Obviously, he set that record at 31 last year. He only has six games left. Can he break that record? Get down below and let us know how many goals you think the King is going to score. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Tanner, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>